is Diagnosis Glaucoma with your hosts, Dr. Mona Colleen and Dr. Harry Quigley. This is part two of our episode on glaucoma medications. Harry, why don't you go over that list of drop installation techniques that I've heard you mention before? Well, I think there are 13 things in that list, but probably the thing that patients ask me the most is, am I putting my drops in correctly? And in order to be sure that they're getting in correctly, you just need to get one drop on the surface of your eye. Now, the first thing I tell people is go down flat. In other words, your face should be facing the ceiling. You can do that in a soft chair, or you can do it lying down on a couch or in bed. The reason for doing that is if your face and your eye are looking up, as the drop comes down, it's much more likely to get either on the eye or to get on the part of your nose bridge that rolls down a slope into the eye. And believe it or not, there's enough medicine in one drop that if only one-fifth of that drop rolls down your nose and then gets into your eye as you even blink after the drop hits you on the skin around there, you got enough in. So are you saying that if a person puts in a drop and it ends up being a small drop, that's still okay? It's absolutely okay. In fact, there's been some arguments that we should be making the size of drops much smaller. People think that might make the drugs cheaper. Actually, it wouldn't make the drugs cheaper, and that's a long story nobody cares to hear about. But because the drop volume is so much greater than you really need, you don't need to worry that you didn't get enough in, and absolutely try not to use two or three drops thinking, well, maybe the first one missed, so I'll put in a second or a third one. What that does is waste medicine, and also it means that you run out before the month is over. And in most pharmacy plans, that means that you won't get another bottle in time, and you might have a week, 10 days, when you don't have enough drop, or even worse, you have to go pay full price cash instead of however your pharmacy plan helps you to pay for the medicine. Some other things that I recommend are to lie down on a bed or a recliner, or some place where you can tilt your head back and to try to put in the drop that way. I don't know if you agree with me on this, but sometimes I tell people that it's okay to let the bottle tip touch their inner eyelid and to put the drop in that way. Well, officially that's a no-no. And the reason it's a no-no is the argument that if you touch the skin to the tip of the bottle, you can put bacteria, bugs, on the bottle tip and then the bottle will have bugs proliferating in it. I don't think in the history of all my practice I've seen a patient in whom we documented that a contaminated bottle caused an infection in their eye. So I don't think that your approach is bad, but what I tell people second is lie down flat, but then rest the back of your hand, which is holding the bottle, on your forehead. If you do that, the bottle tip, when you tip it up, will be exactly over your eye, and you'll be able to see the tip of the bottle up above there. So you don't really need to put it in touch with your eye as long as a drop is going to come out. Now in some bottles, a drop comes out all by itself. So first, tip it up over with your hand bracing against your forehead and see if a drop comes out spontaneously because in some bottles that happens. If not, you have to gently squeeze it to make the drop come out. Another nice thing to do is to look in a mirror. So actually I do this when I put drops in my eyes. I'll go to the mirror, I'll hold my eyelashes away and my lower eyelid down, and then I'll put the drop in right in the corner. So I'm watching myself as I do it. Dr. Kaleem is young enough and dexterous enough 
that she can get away with that. And some of my younger patients do exactly that same thing. Notice that she said with the hand that doesn't have the bottle in it, she's pulling down on her lower eyelid to make a bigger target to put it in. But I find that patients of mine who are older more often are treating the floor's glaucoma than they are their eye's glaucoma when they try to do it looking in the mirror standing up. So I'm going to argue, as both of us said to start this conversation, that you're much better off going horizontal to try to get the drop in. Now, if you get the drop in, there's some discussions about whether you should close your eye afterward. And certainly there is every reason to think that counting to 60 after you hit right eye and then left eye and closing both eyes and counting to 60 is probably a good idea. That gives the medication that's in the drop a chance to go inside the eye. It actually penetrates through the front portions of the eye to get into the eye. There's an argument for pressing your nose, much like oh my, I have a headache, and you see somebody pressing two fingers on the bridge of their nose, that actually blocks the absorption of the drug into your body through your nose because there's a drain there that goes from your tear film through into your nose, which is why your nose runs when you cry. Same thing. We've demonstrated actually that that nasolacrimal occlusion or pressing on the nose is really only important in a couple of the medicines that have some effects on your body if they're absorbed, or if it tastes bad because it goes through your nose to the back of your throat. But in general, that doesn't improve the actual effect of the drug to lower the eye pressure. That's a great tip, especially because sometimes you can taste the drop. It will actually go into your mouth and down your throat. So if you're having that issue, like you're noticing a bitter taste after you use an eye drop, do exactly what Harry said. Put the drop in and then hold your fingers right at that, what we call a punctum, right at your nose, like in your tear drainage system, basically, so that it minimizes the medication from going into your throat. In our book on glaucoma, you'll be able to see some diagrams that show how to press on your nose to do that, because it's not trivial. You almost have to push your fingers back enough to get touching your eye while squeezing your nose. Because if you just press on the very, very surface part of your nose bridge, uh, say out where eyeglasses normally sit on your nose, that's not posterior or far in enough in order to block that little duct. Now, another thing that people ask a lot is, how long should I wait between two types of eye drop that I'm taking at the same time? Let's say you have to take drops morning and evening, and at the evening time, you have two separate drugs that you're putting in. There is no good evidence that waiting any longer than two minutes between those two drops matters at all. And I see patients all the time who've been told by somebody, I don't know whoever put this out, oh, you have to wait 15 minutes between the drops. Well, we have patients who have to take three kinds of drops, and that means it would take them a half an hour, 15 minutes between number one and then 15 between number two and number three, you'd spend half your life waiting to put your drops in, and there's no reason whatever to do that. And whichever drop goes in first, then use the other one two minutes later, and the order never matters. So it doesn't matter which bottle you pick up first, as long as you don't forget to take the second one. We recently had this discussion about bottle droppers. What is your opinion on bottle droppers? Well, tell me what you mean, because there's been all kinds of such things. These are devices that are designed to assist you in getting your drop on your eye. I think that's what you're referring to, right? I've had some people mention using a pipette, 
putting their medication in some kind of a vial and then using a pipette to get the exact amount of what they think that they need so that they're not losing medication, that they're getting enough in. I've also heard other people talk about things that you can screw on the top of a bottle to try to help get that perfect amount of medication in your eye. Yeah, I think over the last three decades that I've been working with patients, there probably have been 10 different kinds of devices that somebody patented and tried to sell. Now they'd be selling it on the internet that would spray the medicine on the front of the eye. Or as you said, something that braces the bottle so like I just described with the back of your hand on the forehead. Most of those have never found a place for patients. They don't work very well. And certainly transferring the medicine from one container that you get it in into a pipette or something else, I'm not sure even because I'm a scientist and I work in a laboratory that I'd be able to do that very effectively. So I'd stick with the regular bottle that you have and use many of the tips that we've just been describing here. In terms of storing your medications, they can generally be stored at room temperature. You don't want any of your medications to be in the direct sunlight. We get questions about whether a medication should be refrigerated. What I tell people is, if you've picked up a medication and you're not gonna use it yet, like you, know, you have extras and maybe you're gonna use it in a few months, you can put that in the refrigerator, but the active bottle that you're currently using, you don't have to put that in a refrigerator. That can stay at your bedstand, it can stay on your desk, it can stay with you in your pocket as long as it's going to stay at room temperature and not get hot. Yeah, I, I say out of sight, out of mind. In other words, if you say, I'm gonna keep my actively used bottle of medicine in the refrigerator, I can almost guarantee you that you'll forget to find it in there. You need to have it out where you're going to see it at the particular time of day that you're supposed to use it when you're home. And it is actually true that the prostaglandin group of medicines, the one called Latanoprost or Zalatan, Lumigan, those group, one of them, Latanoprost, the first that came out, is actually a bit sensitive to extreme heat and it would degenerate so that it wouldn't lower your pressure if you put it, for example, out on a sunny day on a sidewalk where an egg would fry. That's the kind of heat that would take to make it degenerate. But we very often see handout lists that are given to our patients at pharmacies and there's all these suggestions and all these do's and don'ts on them. And I know the pharmacies are trying to do their best. They're trying to help you to know about your drugs. But much of the information that's on those handouts is absolutely wrong. And patients frequently show me their latanoprost and they say, oh, well, I have to keep it in the refrigerator, the bottle I'm using, because the pharmacist told me so. Well, the pharmacist in this case is wrong. So this brings up another question. Can you travel with your eye drops? Oh, I, I absolutely think people should travel with their eye drops, but the biggest problem they have is they forget to take them. The second biggest problem is they don't kind of tell how much have I got in here. Now, I don't think that's easy. These little bottles, many times you can't see how much is in there. So you go to the ocean for your two week vacation and five days in, you realize you're out of drops. That's why we have telephones. iPhones were invented so you can call us and tell us that you've run out of drops and we get it to the local pharmacy that's right near you so you can go get another bottle. The alternative is you take an extra bottle with you when you travel. How about TSA? Have you heard of any patients who ever had their drugs taken away by the TSA agents? I've not heard that before. Yeah, that's a frequent one. Patients are worried, oh, they're going to take away my bottle. And I've never, ever 
had a prescription medicine taken away from a patient at TSA. They're actually given a little training about the fact that there's glaucoma and people are going to come through with medicine bottles, so that's not going to happen. What do you think about sharing bottles with someone else? Well, I have probably two or three dozen husband and wife teams, both of whom have glaucoma and both are my patients. And I think on occasion, if you're sharing bottles with your spouse, we share an awful lot of other things with our spouse, and I don't think that's particularly dangerous. I just think it's a better idea to have enough so you both have enough of the medicine. So sharing in general is probably a terrible idea with somebody that's not your immediate family. Right. This is not to say that you should be sharing bottles with people that you just randomly meet, or you should really avoid that as a habit. It shouldn't become a habit, I should say that. But let's say you're in a situation where you don't have your medication and you need to use it. I will say also that it's okay, but again, try not to do it. There can be contamination issues in particular, so it's an important reason to be careful. We get asked about the cost of medications all the time. Sometimes my family members will actually get after me and say, why can't you do something about this, Mona? My medications are so expensive, I can't afford it. Why don't you doctors get together and write to the drug companies or write to the government? Believe me, I do that. I try to do that with the American Glaucoma Society and the American Academy of Ophthalmology and any opportunity that I get to do advocacy and participate in legislative work, I do that and many of us do that. And we're trying our best, but unfortunately there are many barriers. So I have other recommendations in terms of how to get the costs down. Well, I would say that it's very important if you're having a cost problem with glaucoma medicine, mention that to the doctor. The reason is that we know some of the drugs that are equally good cost less than others in general. We won't know what the very specific cost to you is going to be, but I can tell you that there are drugs that cost $400 a bottle and drugs that cost $10 a bottle. And certainly if cost is an issue for you, we either need to help you find the drugs you can afford or we need to find alternative medicines or treatments that are going to be successful for you. Now, I agree with Mona about the lobbying. You may know that as good as the Affordable Care Act was, part of the deal to get the Affordable Care Act passed was to write a deal for the pharmaceutical manufacturers that no one could negotiate price with them from a governmental standpoint. In other words, they got a free ride to charge whatever they want. And that was in return for them not lobbying against the Affordable Care Act. We can express political opinions about what should be done to fix that problem, but I think you can read between the lines here. Believe us, we are not trying to prescribe expensive medications for you. The only thing that we're trying to do is to help you control your glaucoma and recommend the best medications or surgical treatments if needed for you. I've heard some people ask me about getting medications from Canada or some other country. I think that's kind of iffy because the regulations for approving medications is different in other countries than when it is here. We have the FDA and there's a rigorous process to get a medication approved here. Harry, do you have experience in this? Yeah, I think the going to Canada, if what you're getting are drugs that are available in Canada, they are equally safely approved as FDA approved drugs here. Once you begin to say, I'm going to get it in some place other than Canada, such as, believe it or not, Europe, but especially India, China, South America, Mexico, 
Studies have been done that took drugs from there that were said to contain glaucoma medication, let's say latanoprost, and they measured how much latanoprost is in this bottle. And as opposed to U.S. products where plus or minus 2%, the right amount was there, unfortunately, the right amount wasn't there, and in some cases, 10 times the right amount was there. In other cases, none of it at all was in it. So getting it cheaply from another country is being quite risky in terms of whether what you want is actually in the bottle. All right, so Harry, I have a trick question for you that I just thought of. So in saying that, what should we tell our patients who are listening from abroad? Like let's say we have patients who are listening who live in another country. Should they be trying to get their medications from the United States? If you wanted to have the kind of control that our FDA has on what is being released, and that means control on the manufacturing process. You know, a lot of the drugs that our glaucoma patients use in the United States that come from a U.S. pharmacy, the actual manufacturer is someplace else. Now, Puerto Rico is part of the United States, but that was one of the major manufacturing zones until their recent disasters. And many of the drugs actually do come from outside the United States, but the FDA goes and inspects the factories there that are making the drug. So I would say that if someone asked me a question, can I use a French drug? probably just as good as an American drug because they have similar rules. Same for the United Kingdom, for England. Once you begin getting away from Scandinavia and into Russia and southern Italy and other places, now you don't really know that the regulations are similar. So it's okay if you are not in the United States, if you live in another country, to get your medications from your local pharmacist, but just make sure and check on the validity of that pharmacy. In terms of tips to assist you in being more compliant with your medications, because this is actually a very big issue, is remembering to take the medications. There are many different ideas. Some people try an eyedrop alarm. There are also applications you can download on your smartphone. There's not one in particular that I recommend over others. I don't know what your opinion is, Harry, but if you just do a search in your app store, just type in the word I drop alarm, eye drops, and many different options will come up. You can choose the one that you like the best. But those apps are nice because they'll ring or give you some notification when it's time for you to use your medication. Most patients say, well, I don't need that because I take all my medicine. I'm, I'm religious about my drops. I think if I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times, patients telling me how religious they are about their drops. And they believe that they are. We then did research in which we put a computer chip on their drop bottle. And we told them there was a computer chip there and that it was gonna log exactly what time and date they took their drop. And everyone who volunteered for the study said, oh, well, I'll be getting 100% on my computer chip. The average patient who was getting a free drop bottle from us over a three month period took 72% of their eye drops. And these are educated people. They're people who understand glaucoma. They're patients here at the Wilmer Eye Institute. So in the real world, when you're not in a study, when you're not even thinking somebody can be monitoring you, that tells us that without reminder systems, you're going to be taking not enough of your medicine, not regularly enough. Based on the work you've done, who do you find to be the most compliant and the least compliant patients? Well, there are several features of the cooperation. First, our oldest patients and our youngest adult patients were least compliant. 
the middle of the age group, those in their 60s and 70s were doing a bit better. Men and women were about the same. Those who told us that they didn't really think that the glaucoma medicine was going to help them did terribly. In other words, we didn't properly give them the information they needed to understand why they were taking their medicine or that it was very likely and proven to help if they did take it. So those were two of the main things that we saw. You might say, well, why didn't you do something about helping these people to remember? And that comes back to what Mona's just told you. That is that if somebody has a reminder system, and I'm not just talking about something, oh, well, let's think about it, an app on your phone. There's one called MediSafe. It was designed by uh, ophthalmologists. It's free. And it has your phone go off to make a noise like you're getting a phone call at the time that you set. Now, you don't need the app if you're just simply taking one drop once a day. Set the phone alarm to go off at that time of day. And once again, hundreds of my patients have been told to do this. And time after time, they come back to tell me, oh my goodness, I didn't know how many times I was actually or would have forgotten to take the drop. And the alarm went off, and there I was doing something else when I normally should have been taking my drop. So use the electronic reminder or have a partner. We found in our studies that people who have a spouse, someone they live with, a daughter, a son, who's going to remind them to take their medicine, they also, in our electronic monitoring, did substantially better. Some other tips are you could have like a check sheet. So in my clinic, I actually print out an eyedrop instruction sheet and give it to patients. And they check off on the calendar the days and times that they've taken the medication. That's an easy way to try to tabulate when you've actually taken your medication. And if you missed it, then you'll see right there. You can also try coordinating eyedrop use with something else in your day, like maybe a meal or brushing your teeth or something like that. You asked me what's associated with not taking your medicine, and I missed a couple of the other things. One of them is travel. Anytime you disturb your usual schedule, you get up at a different time, you're away from home, those are times when you're going to forget your medicine. And when we logged with our patients over the course of three months, when did they forget? There were people who always forgot on Saturday night. And we'd say, what do you do Saturday nights? Oh, well, we go out to the movies on Saturday nights. So there they are at the movie, away from their drop bottle. By the time they get home, they forgot that they didn't take it that night. So whenever your schedule changes, you have to be extra special careful. And there again was where the electronic reminder comes in. So then if you forget an eye drop, should you take it as soon as you remember? Or is it okay just to skip that? My recommendation is to take it when you remember. And if you normally take it at night and you get up the next morning and you realize from where the bottle is that you didn't take it, Take it that morning and then take it again that evening. It is extremely hard to hurt yourself by taking too much glaucoma medicine, but not taking enough is almost surely not going to be good for you. If you have a hard time being compliant, it's really important to talk to your doctor so that they know that the reason why your eye pressure is not quite at target is because you haven't been using the medication and not that the medication isn't working for you or that you need a more aggressive treatment like a surgery. Sometimes if we see that a patient is not meeting their target eye pressure, we'll change the medications around and that might not be the right thing to do. Or we might recommend a surgery and if you don't need to have that surgery, if your eye pressure can be controlled with eye drops, well, that's the best option. But if you're someone who 
honestly says, you know, I'm just not going to be good with medicine. Don't even let us launch into that. Move on because we know that laser treatment as an alternative initially to drops is perfectly reasonable. And a major clinical study was done with hundreds of patients who underwent initial surgical operations for glaucoma. And over a 10-year period, that group did just as well or a little better than the group that was randomly assigned to eye drops instead of surgery. So be honest with yourself and honest with the doctor about what you think is going to work best. And frankly, you can always switch. You can always, if one thing doesn't work out well, you can always switch to another. That is a great segue to our next episode, 13 and 14, where we'll be talking about glaucoma lasers. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, your mom says take your drops. 